Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Acts chapter 2, and that has been printed in the sheets on the benches, Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin our reading at verse 36, and then read through the end of the chapter. Our focus tonight will be on verse 42 to the end of the chapter. Acts 2, beginning at verse 36. What we hear now is God's word. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and, to, and, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we continue our look at Acts chapter 2, the chapter about Pentecost and the events surrounding Pentecost. Uh, we have looked at the event itself. We looked last time at the preaching of Pentecost, a preaching that converts, preaching that focuses on Jesus Christ, his life and his death and his resurrection. Tonight we get one more glimpse into what that New Testament church looked like. What was important to them? What did they focus on? And as we look at what was important to them, we also get a connection to us today. What do we as a church, how are we supposed to function? And what do we, what do we value in our church life? Tonight we get a window into the New Testament church. We notice in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They had a devotion to God, a devotion which expressed itself in particular ways. We're going to talk about the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. But notice the next verse. And awe came upon every soul, and many 
wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. A sense of devotion and wonder and awe because God was active. They saw him day after day adding to the church. We'll read later in the book of Acts some of these signs and wonders that were done. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I think, I really wish God would still work that way today. That there would be these miraculous healings and feedings and wonders and signs being done. And it's easy to think when we don't see those things, uh, perhaps God is not quite as active anymore. I want to assure you, God continues to do signs and wonders. Not the external, showy things, but God continues to do the most miraculous sign, the most incredible wonder. When he takes a heart of stone, a heart that is cold to him, and by the power of the Spirit, that heart is enlivened. And that person who is dead in their sins comes to life, a resurrection. God is at work. We see him working in the power of the gospel. We see him working in our own lives. How often we are so cold to the ways of God. We don't always delight in his statutes, in his precepts, in his ordinances. We so often want to go our own way. And yet God continues to work. He, he changes those hearts that are, that are determined to go on their own path, and he brings us back. We see his work in our own lives as we begin to make some choices for righteousness, as we begin to say no to the ways of sin and yes to the ways of God. That is miraculous. That is wonderful. That is a sign. God is still at work, a sign of his spirit active in our lives. Even, even a sense of awe that God has called us to be a part of his church. He has called us into fellowship with him. He is the God of the heavens and the earth. He is the God who needs nothing. He is self-existent. And yet, he develops a relationship with fallen men and women. And he, he calls forth from us our songs of praise. He calls forth from us our prayers of devotion. The God who needs nothing and no one condescends to bring us into a relationship with him, to bring us into his church and to be welcomed into his presence. God is still active and powerful and he is doing wonderful and miraculous works. We see that in our own lives. We see that in our own church. We read that in verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
Day by day, they met together. Day by day, they would get together in their homes. Daily gatherings. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting uh, we begin daily worship services here at church. Uh, I'm a little bit too lazy for that. In fact, even doing two services this morning was plenty for me. So I'm not suggesting every day we gather together uh, once again in the congregation. But there is that sense that every day we can commune with God through his word. Every day we, we carve out a time for our devotional life. Our lives get so busy. There are so many things that, that, that press in our schedules. And it's so easy for the first thing to be pushed aside is our devotional time. But daily, daily we should be seeking God, hearing Him speak to us as we read His Word speaking to him in our times of prayer. God has given us amazing and easy access to his word. Many of us don't simply have one Bible in our home. We have multiple Bibles. Remember a, a project one of my kids had uh, when they were in grade school was to count how many Bibles you have in your home. Now granted, uh, you know, they were in a minister's home, so it's going to be a little more than normal. But I think once they added them all up, there were well over two dozen Bibles in our house. You all have easy access to the Word of God. Bibles in our homes that we can read on a daily basis. They were, they were sincere. They were earnest in their devotion, filled with awe at what God was doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And we have here in verse 42 four very simple elements of worship. Four very simple things they were devoted to. Simple things, yet profound when we look at what was included in these four objects they devoted themselves to. First of all, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, apostolic instruction. When the apostles spoke, they spoke for God. They were God's heralds, they were God's emissaries, and, and the people devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Now, we no longer have apostles today. Kids, I am not an apostle. We no longer have apostles today. But we do still have that apostolic teaching. We have the apostolic teaching in the ministry of God's Word. That is why that is the center of our time together. Now, we love to sing. And I suppose, hypothetically, we could spend, you know, more than half the service singing. We love to pray. We could spend half the service praying. But we recognize the value of the apostolic authority of God's word and the proclamation of that word. And so when we gather together for worship, we spend more than half the time focusing on that apostolic word God has given to us. Um, when Reverend Squeers and I make sermons, 
our focus is on the Word of God. Uh, we don't, first of all, go to the newspaper, find the headlines, uh, what's going on, let's, let's preach a sermon about that. Now, we're certainly mindful of what's going on in the world, but that's not the heart of the message. The heart of the message comes from the Word of God, for it's there that we see the glories of Christ. And God's Word does have the answers, the answers to the difficulties we see around us. We don't have to go to a self-help book, but even if that answer is, be still and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth, we trust in the God who has revealed himself in this apostolic authority. They devoted themselves to that teaching. And I find that so interesting in light of what had happened and in light of what Peter had preached. They had just experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit given to the church. And Peter finished his sermon and he said to them, the promise is for you and for your children. Oh, I need to go back a little bit farther. He said, repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ, and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it would have been very easy for them to say, look, we've all got the Spirit now. God's poured out His Holy Spirit. Why bother listening to the apostles? The prophecy of Joel's been fulfilled. The Spirit poured on everyone. That was not their response. They said, we still want to hear that apostolic, official teaching. It was necessary for their lives. Now, it's good to spend time in God's Word daily in our homes, but that can never replace coming to the official proclamation of that Word, being devoted to that apostolic teaching. We know that today, um, every, every teaching is tested against God's Word, but we still desire to come and hear that that proclamation once again. They devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching and oral proclamation of the Word of God. An oral proclamation. They heard it preached. Now, I suppose hypothetically, today, um, uh, I could type out my sermons and we could uh, send them out via email and everybody could get them and you can read them at home. But there's something missing when all we do is read a sermon. A, a sermon is not a textual document. A sermon is a proclamation. And so it's good for us still to come and to listen to the oral proclamation of the Word of God. Um, we, we have Bibles at home. We can use our Bibles at home, but it's still good to hear. They devoted themselves to hearing the Word of God, the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Fellowship is a term we tend to use somewhat loosely. Uh, we get together with a friend over coffee. We have some fellowship time. Uh, we meet somebody for dinner. We have fellowship with them. We have a fellowship hall. And again, coffee and cookies often involved in fellowship. Is that what they meant when they said they devoted themselves to fellowship? That they had coffee and a cookie together? When, when the Bible uses the word fellowship here, they devote themselves to the fellowship. It's something much deeper. They had a, a sharing with each other. We read in verse 44, 
and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had a sharing with each other, together and having things in common. There was a spiritual sharing that went on, a sharing of joys, a sharing of sorrows, and that's still necessary today. So often our society tends to isolate us. I don't know exactly how your work goes. I work a lot of times alone in my study. I'm there by myself. Maybe you have a cubicle where you're alone at work. We are, we are, we're often separated. In the church, we're brought together. We're described as the body of Christ. Not simply a, a group of individuals, but a body that belongs together, a sharing, a spiritual sharing. The church needs to be a, a safe place to share our difficulties to share our trials, to share our hurts, that we might build each other up, pray for each other, encourage each other. The less we share in the church, the less we enjoy the blessing of true Christian fellowship. They devoted themselves to a fellowship, a true spiritual sharing with each other, a material sharing with each other. Again, verse 44. And all who believed were together, had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. This text sometimes has been taken to say, look, what really the New Testament church was like, it was pretty much like a commune. Uh, they had everything in common. No one owned anything themselves. They just all shared. It was Christian socialism. No one had anything. They just shared everything in common. That's not what our text is telling us. And we know that because of this text and other texts. Again, from verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes... In, not in the home, the home we all share together, in their homes. They still owned their homes. And again, if we wanted to go even farther to Acts chapter 5, we'll get there in a couple of weeks, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. In Acts chapter 5, verse 4, uh, Peter asks Ananias about the selling of his uh, land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? So this is not some type of Christian communism that belongs together, a Christian socialism, but it is a willingness to share with those in need as the needs were brought forward. And that's what we read. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them as any had need. They cared for each other a willingness to not only share each other's spiritual burdens, but materially, because they each did still own their own things. And actually, that's when it's more difficult to bear each other's financial needs. If everybody has a sense of ownership, if it all belongs to all of us, then it really doesn't belong to any of us. Maybe, kids, it's like this. Maybe at some point, uh, mom or dad has bought you something special, a special toy just for you, something you really wanted. And you take care of that toy, 
and you make sure every night it's right where it belongs in the toy box, and you have a, a real care about that toy. But maybe sometimes mom and dad buy a toy, and they say, this is for all you kids. It's for all of you to share. Well, now we're not quite so concerned about making sure it gets put away. Maybe my brother will do it for me. We're not quite so concerned about taking care of it and keeping it nice and clean and all those things because it really doesn't belong to me. It belongs to all of us. This New Testament church was not a Christian communism. They still owned their own things, and so they would give up what they owned for the sake of others. Not simply a communal, let's just share things, but they would sell what they had for the sake of others. A willingness to share. A willingness to give up something of their own for the sake of someone else. That was what they were devoted to. A true fellowship. Sharing spiritually, sharing materially as there was need. We read, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And there's actually in our text tonight two references to breaking bread. This reference in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And again in verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I would suggest tonight that in verse 42, when it talks about the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, that breaking of bread is a reference to the Lord's Supper, a reference to communion. I would suggest that is not the case in verse 46 when it says, and breaking bread in their homes. Well, why do I say that? This is where um, having a little knowledge of, uh, of the original languages comes in handy. Um, if we would look at this text a little more literally or woodenly, and you even notice it in our text, it says they devote themselves to the apostolic teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. In fact, more literally, the breaking of the bread. It is very particular, it is very specific. Whereas in verse 46, it just simply says, and breaking bread. Verse 42 is a reference to coming to the table of the Lord. They were devoted to coming to God's table, to being spiritually strengthened by the body and blood of Christ. Now I know, I know you long for that as well. We are so thankful to God. He's allowed us to come back to in-person worship. Uh, we desire to come together to the table of the Lord. I just want to let you know the consistory has already uh, begun, began that discussion. What will that look like for us? when we can once again come to the Lord's table. But it must be a desire, a longing. There should be a sense of, of we, we just simply can't wait to come once again. We're devoted to the breaking of the bread, that formal celebration of the breaking of the bread, a picture of the body of Christ. Formally coming around the table, and yet also 
informally. This is verse 46. They, they, they got together for breaking bread in their homes. This is what we would just call hospitality, of being with each other. And I know that we long to do that too. We are somewhat restrained with the stay-at-home orders and whatnot, but there's a longing to spend time together, to enjoy times with each other. And I have to say, I, I think that's one of the things that struck me and my wife as well uh, in coming to this congregation. Um, there is just an, an obvious sense. You enjoy being together. <laughs> You enjoy spending time with each other. That is so healthy for a church. It is so wonderful for a church to, to desire to spend time in our homes with each other, having a meal or a cup of coffee or whatever it might be. Uh, those informal times, times where we just simply enjoy each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. The prayers. Prayers for one another. Prayers for the needs of the church. The prayers of concern for those around them. Prayers that take place in the worship service. We have a regular practice of, of um, praying for the needs of the congregation. Uh, bringing prayer requests to the congregation. And again, that's, that's to help you in your private prayer life, to put these things on your own prayer list. How can I be devoted to the prayers, the prayers for the church around me? Simple things for simple things, yet for profound things that were characteristic of that New Testament church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And God used these simple means, these very ordinary means, to bring about miraculous results. How does our text end? Verse 47. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. The Lord added, day by day, those who were being saved. And, and notice, who is doing the adding? The Lord added. This is God's work. God continues to build his church through very regular, ordinary means. Preaching, fellowship, Lord's Supper, prayer. I know it's, it's, it's tempting sometimes to say, let's find some catchy way to get people in church. Let's find some new thing that will bring them here. But God has said, simply use my appointed means. Ministry of word and sacrament. Very accessible. Nothing flashy. But God's appointed means for growing his church. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. He added those who were being saved. God brought his people into fellowship with the church. He brought those whom he had chosen from before the foundations of the earth to come and to be a part of that church. God worked his purposes out. Those who were being saved were added. Again, sometimes today I think there's a sense in which we want to make church very comfortable 
for any visitor who might come in. And certainly we don't want to be standoffish. We don't want to make them particularly uncomfortable. But if someone comes in and hears the call of the gospel, they will either respond as they did at Pentecost and hearing these words saying, what shall we do? I'm doomed, I need help, where do I go? And we direct them then to Jesus Christ. If that is not their response, if they are cold to the gospel, hardening their hearts, no matter what we do, they will never feel comfortable. They will never be comfortable in the presence of a holy God. And there should be a sense that for those who would refuse to hear the call of the gospel, church is an uncomfortable place. Because they are out of fellowship with the God of the heavens and the earth. Now, when, when God adds those whom he has chosen, they hear the call. The call that goes out again tonight, repent and believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. Don't try to save yourself, but trust wholly in him. What shall we do? Believe and know the joy of salvation. And day by day we read, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It was an ongoing experience for them. They did not have one special Sunday set apart for evangelism. This is the Sunday you should all bring your friends to church. They did not have one special Sunday where they had an evangelistic speaker come in and give the sermon that day. But regularly, God was adding those who were being saved. There is no bad time to invite a friend to church. You do not have to wait for a special Sunday. You don't have to wait for a special service because every Lord's Day, morning and evening, they will hear the call of the gospel and that's what they need to hear. You can invite your friends, you can invite your neighbors anytime. Don't feel like you have to wait for a particular special Sunday. Every Sunday when the gospel is preached is special for us. We have that means of grace, the declaration of the gospel, and God will use that daily, adding to their number those who were being saved. A beautiful glimpse tonight into the New Testament church, and I hope you can see the reflections in our own church as well, that we might be devoted to apostolic teaching devoted to true fellowship with each other, to coming to the table, the breaking of the bread, and devoted to prayers for one another. Uh, this is the type of church where God, through His Holy Spirit, is pleased to do His work. This, this, this simple devotion to these regular ordinary means God uses, where daily He continues to add to their number those who are being saved. Oh, that God might continue that glorious work in our midst. Let's join together in prayer. Lord God, thank you for your word, a word that instructs us, a word that directs us, a word that gives us a glimpse into what your church was like so many years ago. And we see so many similarities. Lord God, we pray that you would continue to use regular and ordinary means to grow your church. We love your church, O oh God. We desire to see your church grow spiritually, 
see your church grow numerically, see our bonds grow closer to each other. Lord God, we ask that you would continue to work in our midst, giving us an ongoing devotion to you and to the things of the Lord. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.